I want to start today with the biggest thank yous of thank yous. I had an extremely nice deed done for me by, and I'm going to make sure I get all the names, Karina, Chris, Alex, uh, Crystal, Dave, Andrew, Megan, Little Edward, and believe it or not, Matt Bersano and front office Jared Shawley also helped out. But of course, the biggest thank you to Terry for organizing this all. They got me a going away gift. Uh, there's something else with this. It was extremely generous. I, I don't want show it on camera, I don't know how they feel about that, but it, it was this and another thing, and actually two other things, it was beyond generous, and it, it was a going away gift and something else to help me get back to games when I go to college, so just the biggest of thank yous, it, it was beyond generous, and I, I still am just so shocked and thankful, thank you guys so, so, so much. If You know, a lot of them are in the fault line, all of them actually are in the fault line, except obviously Jared and Matt, they work for the Earthquakes, um, or play. <laughs> thank you guys so, so much. And I love handwritten cards, actually, as well, so this is double awesome. Thank you so much. Some pretty cool things. Will Ferrell was at the game, but the biggest bit of news was the signing of Luchi Gonzalez. The Earthquakes do have a coach. They filled the intern position for Alex Cavello and his staff, Chris Warnolowski. Uh, what I believe is going to happen is everyone kind of moved up when Almeida left, so U15 went to U16, U16, 17, blah, 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 Academy, blah, blah, blah. Quakes 2 then became the head coach for Quakes. I believe once Lucci and his staff come in, everyone that jumped up one position is now going to jump back down to their original position. Not sure. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But if you want to know more about Lucci Gonzalez, I made a video on this YouTube channel at Aftershocks San Jose or Instagram. And, uh, actually, yeah, Instagram if you want to watch the full one at Aftershocks SJ. Uh, Yule is also one game away from being suspended if he gets another yellow card. So a uh, next yellow card, he'll be missing on the game after that near the end of the season. We'll see how it goes. And then Nothin will be missing the next game due to yellow card accumulation, I believe. This is what I was getting from the, when I rewatched the game on TV. Uh, all of you Buddha fans out there, I have pretty bad news. I think he's going to be out for a while. I don't have any, I don't know how bad it is, but I was at the Quakes 2 game. I'll get to that later. Uh, they're great times. Come out to them if you haven't. But there was a really bad, bad challenge on Buddha, and then some pretty bad management of getting him off the field. And it looked pretty bad. Crutches, everything. I, I don't know the extent of it. I don't know how bad it's going to be. Maybe it was just bad in the moment. He'll be good in a week or two, or maybe he's out for the rest of the season, which also is kind of a week or two. Best of luck to Buddha. Hope he has a quick recovery. But if you want to know more about game-specific highlights, you can check out the Aftershock on this YouTube channel, Aftershocks San Jose. Instagram at Aftershock SJ, TikTok at Aftershock SJ, the website at Aftershock.club. But let's move on to the negatives. <laughs> Hard to have many negatives when you have such a great game and an easy win. Easy win. Didn't even worry, especially at the end with Tanner. Uh, but yeah, my first negative was with the Buddha incident in Quakes 2. Just so poorly mismanaged. He had to like hobble off the. He's on the up. Like, if this is the touchline where players sub in, he's on the opposite side. He tried hopping off, and then they tried carrying him, and they tried putting one arm around him. Then, it, I'm not even joking, they gave him a piggyback ride that lasted for about three seconds. Never brought a stretcher out. This is a multi-million dollar facility. I just don't know how we're not doing that, managing our players better. Then a player had to come and give him a ride home. It's just, I, I, I just, I don't know how we're not managing that better. So that's my big negative, not taking care of our players. Uh, I don't want to get too excited. I know I've been making the jokes like I just did, and then obviously on the Aftershocks, I kind of went in on LAFC. Uh, I did that mostly because they're my least favorite team. I really don't like them. Uh, just so fake. I don't even want to get into it. Ugh. Just bad news bears. 
But this is, was their B team, if we're going to be completely honest. They were resting against us. They were resting against DC United. They know they're making playoffs. They don't want to get an injury versus us. Yes, they put Bale on. Yes, they put Vela on. Yes, they started trying. Yes, they wanted the win, of course. I don't want to take anything away from us, but I also don't want to act like we're top of the West all of a sudden. So that that's a little bit of a negative, but it is what it is. I just had to throw a negative in there. I really don't have many. And then on the goal, lack of communication. And this this is one of the few times Tanner Beeson didn't have communication because it's a positive later, actually, a little sneak peek. But if you watch the goal, I believe it was Blessing, he was in between Tanner and Nothan. I don't know if it was a communication thing or a language thing or if no one just wanted to talk. But he's right in front of Tanner. Tanner starts to fall forward a little bit. Then he goes behind Nothan. Nothan, obviously, he's not checking his shoulders at the moment, so maybe he could have done that as well. Slips him behind. Beautiful ball. Beautiful chip. Great goal. Don't want to take anything away from them. But I feel like a little bit of communication, and we could have really prevented all of that. And then crashing the box. That's one thing I wish we would have done a little bit more in this game. Two separate occasions. J-Bo had a shot that would just barely go past the keeper, but then also barely slip by the back post. And if someone was just there, I know Nothan was not really on the end of one. He was there, but he didn't really crash into it. And then Espinosa was a bit behind the play on that one, so I don't blame him at all on that one. But crashing the box when we're taking shots, being able to get the spills, being able to get the follow-ups, the Wando special, being in the box, waiting for the bounce of the six-yard tap-in, that's what we needed that game to get even more goals. But you know what? Hey, we trashed the trash team. So let's talk about the positives. Midfield pressing was incredible. Shows that we don't need a CDM if we actually play like this every game. I, the way we played in the first half versus the LA teams, if we played like that all season long, I don't want to say we'd be undefeated, but it'd be damn hard to be us. Now, it's hard to keep that press for the whole game. It's extremely exhausting, but we are obviously able to do it, especially like compared to the Dallas game where, again, I get the heat definitely, and now I can see that the heat definitely played a factor in that game. And there's going to be games where you have quick turnarounds. You're not going to be tired. You're not going to be able to do it every game, but being able to press, not giving them time on the ball. I've been saying it for weeks, especially inside the box. This is the next point. We didn't give them time inside the box. We stepped to them. We were right on top of them. And every time we weren't stabbing them, we were just forcing them to go backwards. That's all you need to do as a defender. So being able to put that pressure on them, not giving them time to breathe, I think was a big shock for them, and they weren't ready to handle it, and they just couldn't. And that's why it took them 41 minutes, 40 minutes to get their first significant shot of the game. And then even on that one, we gave them a little bit of space. And then towards the end of the game, we started giving them space. Can't give them that space. So that was great. And it shows that we don't have to just force in Yudson just because we can't trust ourselves otherwise. Throw him in if it's a defensive idea or it makes sense. Jan Gregoose, that's another one. Gregoose, he played great. I thought it was, again, glue pieces. He does all the little things that are never going to be highlighted. He carried the ball so well, and it was just great to see him go through the middle, which is something I didn't really see us do too much until the beginning of the season. And speaking of not really doing too much this season, this is the... I don't want to say the best game, but the first game, really, I've seen, like, organization defensively. We had a low block. We were marking men specifically. We weren't just ball-watching. Now, there were definitely times where we were just ball-watching. But there were multiple moments where we had positions and we had cues where we were going to pick things up, and that was just so great to see the team being a team. It was just so much fun to watch. And I think the Pack Stadium helped that. And that's another one to the fans. Pack Stadium, great way to come out. And... Yeah, I would want it for more games, but obviously for the rivals, and they're not really our rivals as much as LA Galaxy, but Bay versus LA always. So great to see all that as well. Great goals. Great goals. Great. Great finish by Benji. We've been making fun of him for his left foot the whole year, and then now he buries it away. Cape Cal, someone who's really Benji took a spot not having as much confidence, haven't been seen as much. Everyone's kind of questioning him. Rockets and just rifles one almost through the net. Great confidence builder. And then Benji Kikanovic, what a menace he was. Just absolutely running all over the place. Could not stop him on top of every single defender, making it a nightmare on that. It was the right side for LA, but left side for us. And then so good offensively, playing direct, looking for the balls, 
being an aerial threat, just absolutely phenomenal game from Benji Kikanovich. Espinoza, oh my god, the work rate was understated. Arguably the man of the match, one of them, like number two. And it was probably man of the match, but it just worked so hard, worked unbelievably hard. I make saw him making like 70 yard sprints just to get the ball, especially like I saw there was one on a counterattack off a corner kick. He won back and was able to keep possession for us. It was so great. And then offensively was dynamic, willing to go at players, willing to do more than two things, willing to play the one two. It was beautiful. Just a perfect game from Christian Espinosa. Good deliveries. Oh man, this, this is a DP. This is the signing that everyone's been wanting. And Look, I was hard on him in the beginning of the season. In the last like eight episodes, I've been apologizing. I want to apologize again. While I do think he was struggling that those. The reason I was frustrated with Espinoza is because when I see games like this, and I know he can do it every game, is when I'm not getting this. And you're going to have off games, obviously. That's when I get frustrated. And that's why I, I don't think he's a bad player. I, I think we can all clearly see that. It's just like, I know he can do this every game. And it was unreal from Christian Espinoza. Senor Dior. He was incredible for us. JT and Beeson gotta get huge credit. JT Marcinkowski and Tanner Beeson communicating all game, just hearing them scream, going around, well not all game, I just, in the negatives I talked about, but screaming, organizing the line, saying, hey, you go here, you go here, I got him. I could hear it in a packed out stadium when they were on our side, and then I went re-watching the game, I was able to see, uh, hear Tanner on the close-up mics on the corners, and I was able to see him point a lot, I was able to hear G uh, JT too. So that was awesome to see. I love seeing the communication. I want to see more of it. I want to see it from all the players, but way to be leaders, guys. Stanford captain and Tanner Beeson and US international at some point and leader, co-captain, JT Marcinkowski. Jaybo with the two far post shots. I love that way to shoot it to the bottom corner. That's my favorite type of shot. Unlucky not to score today. Had a few fast breaks. And just playing with heart, Jaybo. Yeah, I mean, like he even, he even says it after the game. He's, he's banged up. He's banged up. It's just the end of the season. His legs, you can see him after the game. Hurts to walk and he's just sprinting. I think that's why he's getting caught up too on these 1v1s. Just the legs are tired. So way to just keep fighting. I know everyone's ours, but good job, Jaybo. Way to keep fighting. And then just the passion from the team. And just the smarts. Yeah, I've been I've been talking about it all year. When we get the break, and then this is just good game management finally. If we, it was the 80th minute we had the lead, 89th minute, and we lost the ball, everyone was sprinting back. I saw one with Cade Cal, he deserves so much credit for this because everyone's been so on him this year. He gets a run, goes by, kind of gets tripped up, doesn't get a foul call, he's on his butt. They get the ball, they start moving forward. He gets up, he starts jogging. After like one second of jogging, and you can see he's gassed because he just made a run for it. Like you can see him huffing and puffing. The man sprints, and you can tell, it's not his usual tot speed, he's sprinting to get to that ball just so he can try and get in front of it, delay a little bit more, have 11 behind the ball, defend. The passion I saw today was a complete 180 from Dallas, and again, I think the Heat had a part to do with that, and then the, just the poor record in general. It was so great, especially against LAFC, the team I hate the most, but an LA team, a rival. This was incredible, incredible, incredible from everyone. And uh, that's all I gotta say about the positives. Oh, wait, there, there's one guy I haven't mentioned, and I, there's a reason I haven't mentioned it, because I, I know you were all expecting me to talk about how Tommy Thompson got the man of the match, but I don't think Tommy deserved the man of the match. The man of the match? No, 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 no. The GOAT of the match! My GOAT! My GOAT! My GOAT! My GOAT! Not once, not twice, 
But, okay, well, well, twice, twice, twice for the GOAT, Tommy Thompson. He runs down the byline. He goes through. He chips. Oh, I had front row seats to it. Beautiful chip. Able to slice and dice. Pick out defenders. Absolutely phenomenal game from the GOAT, Tommy Thompson. How do you spell GOAT? G-O-A. And let's throw a double T in there for Tommy Thompson. What did Tommy do first thing he gets home? Oh, I know. Well, he takes out his phone. He throws it away because he gets all the text messages way too many. Put the car keys away. You know, that's fine. Have the wallet. ID's gone. Don't need that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What's that in my pocket? One last thing. Oh, is that one of Gareth Bale's golf balls? Yeah, absolute great defensive display from Tommy. Something we've been harping on him for a while now since he's been moving that position. Lockdown. Great job. Phenomenal. On top, and this is what I've been preaching all year, his overlapping runs are incredible, and it feeds off Christian Espinosa so well. So unbelievably well. It helps him, it opens up space, and it lets Christian shine. Tommy was able to be more creative. He looked way more fit in this game, especially in the Dallas game where he looked tired, but it was so great. This is the biggest thing. I've been talking about triggers. If you've been watching for a while, how we don't have triggers and it annoys me. This game, if you watch the first highlight, go. you can even just go to the highlight reel. You don't have to rewatch the match. On the first goal, they'll show multiple angles. You'll watch Tommy kind of jog up the field when Grey Goosh has the ball. The second, the second Christian Espinosa has the ball, Tommy is sprinting and he's like 30 yards deep in our half. He has to make a deep run, makes the run, takes a touch, goes in, looks for a path, doesn't just cross it in, hoping someone's there. He looks someone, finds it, does a beautiful little chip. So my GOAT, Tommy Thompson, is the man of the match? No, the GOAT of the match. The unsung moment of the match. I really want to give this to Tommy and the sliding save, and then JT kind of had to make a save, but I have to give it to Benji's pressing, and then Gregush and Yule as well. Benji, Benji's pressing was insane. It made it hell for the boys on that side. And then Gregush and Yule, solid games. Just great passing, unsung moments. Just constantly moving it forward, going side to side. Just nothing super fancy, but great games. You'll have one across field pass. I think it was like 37 minutes in. It was insane. But those are just my unsung moments of the game. Let's move to the unsung hero of the match. Christian Espinoza. Senor Dior Dior. The work rate was unreal. Just the whole game, too. And then offensively dynamic. And then letting Tommy Thompson shine, giving him the ball. Then the goat do goat things. So my unsung hero of the match, Christian Espinoza. Move on to some fan questions. And if you ever want a fan question answered, you can go to Aftershocks. SJ on Twitter and Instagram, and then just leave a comment with using the hashtag AskAfterShock under one of the uh, fan question posts. They're usually posted on the day of, after the game, or maybe like the morning after the game, but usually the same day of the game, sometime a little bit before or a little bit after. So the first fan question comes from San Jose.Quakes, not the actual Quakes. Uh, thoughts on the disrespect lineup they put out against us? They took the El Gardas. Yeah, that's fact. Preach. Preach louder for those in the back. They took the L still. LA garbage. Fake fans. Fake team. I understand the lineup though. Yeah, if you're going to play us and DC United and you kind of already made playoffs, just ranked wise, we're two of the lower teams. You're going to rest players. You don't want to have an injury. You don't want to tire someone out. You don't want to pick up a little knock. Let them rest. Let their legs recover. Play some of the younger guys. See who that like 12th, 13th man really is. See if you have a hidden gem. So I'm not really mad about that. <laughs> so the next question comes from Abram. Shout out, Abram. Good to see you again. Uh, what does it mean to you and the players to see a sold-out PayPal park? Man, I don't want to speak on behalf of the players, but from what I've gathered, they loved it. 
It was something like they haven't seen in years, a lot of them. It builds energy. It just being able to do a tackle and then hear 18,000 people roar versus 13,000 and then out of that 13,000, really like 6,000 if even roar and just cheer for the goals. It just, the electricity, it builds the home stadium. It gives you an extra advantage. It gives you a 12th man. That's gotta be awesome. For me, it was awesome to see show out for these, show out for all the games, but especially the rivalry games versus LA. For me, when it will really mean a lot though, is when you're showing up for the small games. And I was going to list a bunch of teams, but like the one that comes to mind immediately, Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake is a good team. They have Bobby Wood. They have other international stars. They make good playoff runs. Last two seasons, maybe even, I don't want to say three because COVID. Last two seasons, empty stadium. 9,000, 7,000. No one wants to come see a Real Salt Lake team. Doesn't matter how good they're doing. Doesn't matter. Just, they don't care. They don't have the market. I want to see a near full packed out stadium for a real Salt Lake game. That's when it will mean a lot to me. That's when I know we'll have a bunch of devoted fans. And I mean, that even goes to my Tommy Thompson point. I was making with some of my friends like, I've been preaching for my boy all year. And all of a sudden, everyone was a Tommy Thompson fan last night. You know, let the goat shine. Let the goat shine. Anyway, good question, Abram. But the next one goes from, it's a football life for me. Good to see you again. Is this redemption? He asked. Uh, I mean, I hate LAFC, so yes. And it's redemption for the fact that we should have at least tied them because Tommy got fouled in the last time we played them and they didn't give us a penalty. Uh, again, I've been saying for a while, this is a building year for me. Uh, I just I wanted to see who has what, what we're shining, what we have. Redemption for most fans, no. Because I think, if we remember, the LA Galaxy game for me, that was the churning point if we were going to have one and we lost the next couple games. And I think a lot of people are trying to build hope again, and I'm gonna go into it, and I see there's a question that kind of answers, I can answer further on this. So, yes for, I, I, no, no for me, because there was nothing really to redeem, even though there's things to redeem, if that makes sense. Um, and then no as far as the other fans, because they want playoffs or more wins. But yes, in the fact of, I hate LAFC. Michael B. Pastor asks, how does the announcement of Lucci change the player's approach to the game? Um, I mean, there's the professional answer of, doesn't change, you work hard. But then there's the other answer of, if you're someone like a Matt Bersano, if you're someone like a Jack Skane, someone like a Grey Goose who hasn't really seen the field much, a new coach means maybe an opportunity for you. If you're a Tommy Thompson, if you're a Paul Marie, if, well, I guess not Marcos Lopez anymore, but if you're some of those players who whether your contract's up at the end of the year or you haven't really been playing and you know there's a new coach that's kind of saying, I don't want a complete overhaul, but we'll find pieces. That's kind of like, okay, I need to start performing. I need to start doing this. It can be a little bit scary. I think it's good for the fringe players because they're like, okay, maybe I can get some chance. It's also scary for some of the fringe players because they're like, oh, maybe I'm gone. Uh, I think overall positive experience though, it is the course of the MLS. So we'll see how that takes place. Local Nightmare ask, good luck at UC Santa Barbara, thank you so much. Uh, and do you think we have a comeback, can have a comeback and make the playoffs? Uh, the next question, L, that I, Velasquez, also asked something kind of similar, so I'm gonna say his question first. First, thank you for the good wishes. Uh, I'm asked Velasquez's question as well, and then I'll answer both. L, Velasquez ask, liked by the Quakes? That's fun. Uh, my fan question was liked by the Quakes. 
been making content for them for two years. They've liked one edit I've made and uh, just a fan question post. Uh, they ask, I know a playoff spot is unlikely, but are you interested in see how the last few games play out? See if any madness arises. Seven points with eight games doesn't seem like it was possible. So I'll answer the last half of your question first because it ties into the previous one. Seven points with eight games doesn't seem impossible. Yes, but it's not seven points we need. It's a seven-point swing we need. So we're seven points behind from the playoff spot. Like if the season ended right now, we would be seven points shy. That doesn't mean we need seven points because we need a seven-point swing. Because if we were to get seven points, we would also need the team that's six points above or whatever to get zero points out of eight games. We would also need every team that's slightly above us but not there and every, I guess not every team below us, but to also get zero points or one through five, one through six points. So seven points in eight games is really tough. It, we'd have to win like, I mean, maybe we pull a Leicester, get seven out of the last nine, right? But if we win and we win and we win, yes, but here's the thing with the Quakes and MLS, it's a rock, paper, scissors. Yes, we beat LAFC, the best team in the league, arguably. Now we're going to play Sporting Kansas, arguably the worst team in the league. Wouldn't be shocked if we lost. Would not be shocked, you know? Then we have FC Dallas, red hot team. We gotta play. And I don't remember the rest of the schedule. We have a, another LA Galaxy game who are struggling right now. We we sent them on a collision crash course to pain. Um, so there's LA Galaxy as well. Like could go either way. It's a Stanford game. Hopefully we have a bit of mm to it. I'm forgetting the other teams. I think we might play White Caps, but yeah, it, we'd have to win pretty much most of those games, if not all of them. And some of those games are Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. That's short rest time. Our guys are getting banged up. So I hold on to hope there is a chance, but I, I don't be heartbroken. Don't expect playoffs. Just expect a chance. Uh, as far as looking forward to games, of course, yeah. I, I love going to the games. I want to go to as many as I can before college because um, it's going to be really tough to get back. Thanks to these guys. It's going to be a little bit easier. Thank you again, guys. Um, obviously, my academics come first. But I can watch on TV, but nothing beats going to the games and I love watching the guys and they've been so cool to me all year So yeah, I'm looking forward to it in that regard and our final question comes from San Jose earthquake memes They ask what do you think of the atmosphere of the game? I kind of answered that sick sick I mean, it's it's awesome to have that many people like the the Seattle game for me personally had more of atmosphere just because that was our first win and I think like I Felt like I won the Champions League final I felt like I won the World Cup and it was our first win out of nine games or something so there's that do you think a sold-out crowd inspired their earthquakes to win? Yes. Million percent. Million percent. And you feed off that. It, there, there's something you can't see. There's a few things you can't see with sports on TV. Electricity. Like, not literal zap-zap. Like, <laughs> what the atmosphere, the team is feeling. You can see the chance. You can hear them, but you can't feel it unless they're there. And then you just can't see their physicality as well or how fast they're moving or this or that. It's just so different in person. And you just felt it in the stadium. You felt every time something bad happened for LAFC, you could look over at them. You felt when Bale was coming in, all the LAFC fans, ooh, ah. You just felt us pushing forward. You felt when Christian won a tackle, when Benji won a tackle, when Nathan, Beast, and Tommy, when anyone did anything, the oohs, the odds, it helps so much. And to, like have it double, triple for what we're usually having as far as cheering-wise, not just numbers-wise, beautiful. I wish we could have that more games. And then finally he says, in your opinion, what do you think, or, and then finally, 
In your opinion, do you think Cade Cal can get off to more of a goal-contributing season after this volley? Uh, I mean, yeah, let me just say yes before I say no. Yes, I think Cade has the ability. No one does that. He's a talented young kid. Young, once again, kid. Young kid. So many attributes. And if he's inspired like this and he can get the direction just near unstoppable on the field, I'm going to say no because I think Benji's going to keep the starting spot and it's going to be a little bit harder. I think he might get another few. But... I just, I'm happy for the kid. He, he needed a goal. He needed a goal. He Not only did he need one, he deserved one. He, he's been working hard. So good for Kate Cal.